Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. I remember sitting in a corner praying that someone would come and just kill me. And um, because I, but I didn't know what was wrong. I just knew I was in agony and I was crying. And I was in this stairway later on crying and people walked by and they didn't even ask, are you okay? And um, I wandered around the city for those, those three days. You're listening to the words of Justin Jorgensen as he describes how mental illness started to affect his life at a very young age and how, as a Christian, he's dealt with the stigma of mental illness into his adult years. Welcome to the program, Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Life Support is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. I'm Five Stone Media's Executive Director, Steve Johnson, and our host is Paul Johnson, the lead pastor of Ridgewood Church and a trauma survivor himself, experiencing the death of his first wife and then the tragic homicide of his 21-year-old son. So this really is a survivor-to-survivor conversation. This is the second of two parts with Justin, and here to begin that conversation is Pastor Paul. Hey, this is Life Support, and I am so glad you've chosen to join us. We're talking about some really important issues that we hope will enlighten you and bring you closer to Christ, who is the answer, and uh, we all believe that. And my guest again this week is Justin Jorgensen, and Justin has an amazing story to tell. I'm just going to do a quick recap, Justin, and you can fill in the blanks if I've forgotten anything since last time. But Justin is a man who has struggled with mental health, and it began very early on in his life in the first grade. He began to uh, feel this first in by way of physically uh, not feeling well, but this was um, depression, Uh, By third grade, suicidal thoughts, uh, even ways to commit suicide. Um, Through middle school and high school, uh, his story escalated to uh, from getting in trouble to by the time he was in college, hallucinations. And where we left off, Justin, was you telling us that it's, it's an amazing thing that you're still alive. And that you really feel God's hand on you. And as you look back, do you kind of shudder sometimes to think uh, what it would have been like if God didn't have his hand on you? Yeah, the funny thing is, I think if if God hadn't had his hand on me, I would not have, well, I either wouldn't have survived or I probably wouldn't have gone through as much. Because at one point I asked God to, that I could be like Job. And I I believe that the experiences I've gone through have have a have the ability to so I believe that if God had not actually been involved in my life, I would not have probably 
I feel like my story is a powerful story. And, and at one point I asked God that I would be like Job. And I, I wanted to have meaning in my life. I wanted to be like special. And I, I always thought, well, I can be like Job and then I'll be rewarded in heaven for all my suffering. And so as I was going through these troubles, every once in a while I would think back to those words that I had said in a prayer. And I believe my story can help people. Um, and that's one reason why I've worked in mental health. I've worked as a, a peer mentor. I've worked in group homes and um, day programs and all different sorts of things. But I made a specific effort a while back to try to tell my story. And so it's really quite fantastic and even God working now that I'm here just to tell of my story. So you were talking about hallucinations on freeways and all that. So what happened after that? How did you come to grips with all of this? So I ended up in Missoula after watching the world end around me, mountains blowing up, angels fighting, demons fighting, me being part of this battle, setting traps to catch the demons, and um, this whole thing. And then... um, I ended up back in Minnesota at Christmas, and I came home, and my parents were were talking to me, and they're like, Justin, you're not making any sense. And I ended up in Abbott Northwestern um, psych ward uh, two days after Christmas, and my birthday is the 31st. <laughs> so here I am in the psych ward, um, and they did what what they um, do. They give you a lot of meds um, for a couple days, and they try to ground you. And um, I remember waking up one day and not having my my spirit self awareness. I didn't have an awareness of him, and he was gone. And it was kind of scary, almost, because like I had this bombastic, exciting, scary, fantastical world that I was living in, and then it's gone. Mm. Um, and I still had hallucinations for for years to come. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I had a significant sense of loss over losing that that those those feelings yeah and i would guess that those who have never had an hallucination can't possibly understand what that's like is it is it so real that there's no way for you to know when it's happening so i suffer with delusions now Mm -hmm. um delusions about uh like famous people and and i think that maybe i'm writing messages to them on Twitter or something. And the problem with delusions is I live my life never knowing if the next moment I'm going to find out that it's all been a delusion. Mm. And so there's a certain uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that's something that I have had to reckon with. Um, my, for the most part, there there's it's like a a bridge and when you're just getting onto the bridge you have an idea that you're starting to hallucinate i do at least 
I have because they're different. They're they're I can sent I can tell by the the um by the way they feel that I'm having hallucinations. But then you get to this point kind of halfway along where you start to lose that insight. Mm. Um some people don't have that insight. I've been gifted with it. And then you get to this point where you're so out of control that the world is going on around you. And I remember when I came back into Minneapolis a few years ago, I walked around the city for three days. And I remember sitting in a corner praying that someone would come and just kill me. And... Um, because I, but I didn't know what was wrong. I just knew I was in agony and I was crying and I was in this stairway later on crying and people walked by and they didn't even ask, are you okay? And, um, I wandered around the city for those, those three days and I was just lost and I had just told my wife that I was going to divorce her. Um, and that was really when my life really started to turn around. It's like this horrible event that happened. And a, a couple years later, I would be in a completely new place where I love God more than I ever, ever loved him. And it's just phenomenal. I, now I see God's hands working in my life and little things that I I didn't think about then I, I look at them now and see how they have shaped my my life now hmm. it's profound that is profound the world's not a safe place for mental illness you know I um I spend too much time on Twitter and you know uh terms like nut jobs and crazy and you know, and, and you can tell it, 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 if someone's acting out, you know, likely there's mental illness involved, but there's no there's no sympathy there. There's no grace in society. And how how does it feel when you're the person that's actually dealing with that? And you, you talked about being in a stairway and having people just walk by you. What does that feel like? Um, well, at the moment, I thought that these Israeli women were... <laughs> marching up and down streets screaming about how I was in agony mm -hmm. and how I called them the fallback dancers, fallback criers or something like that. And it was like mm -hmm. the wailing. Um, so at, on one hand, it's really, it's fantastic. It's fa it's And by fantastic, I, I don't mean like, Happy, fantastic. Right, I mean, it's right. amazingly bizarre. Right. But on another hand, um, the reality of my delusion or the reality of my delusional world is scary and dangerous. Mm -hmm. And I understand why people would not want to talk to me or help me. But... I felt so separated. And then I ended up in the, in the hospital, and I didn't know what was going on, and I'm trying to get out of the hospital because I thought I had been kidnapped. 
I mean, I've worked in in mental health at a at a at a facility in Bozeman, and I saw people there who hurt, and and that basically comes down to what it is. It, it just hurts. So right now, as we speak, how you doing? Uh, I've never been more healthy ever in my life. Uh, I know a lot of people are struggling with the pandemic. Um, a lot of people are drugging. A lot of people are drinking. A lot of people are having anxiety. Um, I'm having a lot of things too, but I made a choice to try to excel during this time. Um, God and I are close like we've never been before, and I owe it all to the prayers of a counselor and of a lot of people. But I think prayer and counseling is phenomenal. Uh, when a counselor prays for you, you, you just kind of know that they care. Plus, you know that God cares. Plus, I believe God influences their actions by them being by them prayerfully approaching God. And I wish I had a counselor who prayed for me a long time ago. Hmm. And so, I mean, I <laughs> she would probably be a little flabbergasted that I am about to say this, but I, I think in some ways those few... Those actions, that that one action of prayer, I and I call it therapeutic prayer. Um, I think, just judging by the fact that I've had outcomes that are phenomenal since then, I, I yeah, I wish every Christian counselor prayed with their hmm. people. That's a good takeaway as well. And you had talked about before in another interview you did with Five Stone Media about a pastor's role in all this. And pastors want to help. That's yeah. why they're pastors. Yeah. But there's places probably pastors should not go, right? Yeah. I think it's important for us to be aware of our limitations. And a pastor maybe should have a, a a plan in a way to say if things start to get bad, we are going to get you a professional who can help you because a professional can escalate it to a crisis facility if they need. A, a, a professional has training in specific therapy te- techniques and i i love the fact that pastors care i i love that and i think pastoral counseling can be helpful but i also think that we need to be aware that these professionals who are doing therapy have training for at least 3 years as counselors probably undergraduate psychology programs and they have hours and hours and hours of supervised um, training, supervised um, therapy. So it, it's not like a, a – and I don't want this to sound too harsh, but a pastor is not a therapist. A pastor is a pastor. Yeah. 
Yeah, no doubt. That's not too harsh at all. That's a good, good warning. What What would you say to a parent of a child who they suspect may have mental illness? They're maybe showing some of the things that you went through, and right now they're thinking to themselves, oh, my goodness, that sounds like my child. What do you do? The sooner you get help, the more helpful it will be. You reach out. Yeah. Um, yeah, you reach out. You you can get resources from the school. Most schools probably have a counselor, and not a peer, not a um, not the counselors who are like. In my school, we had counselors who wrote you up for getting in trouble. That's yeah. what the counselors did. We didn't. Yeah, we had a guy named Chopper that we went to when we got in trouble. That he was not a helpful counselor. Yeah, yeah. But we need therapist counselors in schools. Um, and so you can you can go to the school and say, "How do I get help?" And it's really as simple as just asking one question. Because once you get the ball rolling, you're gonna you could save your kid's life. And there's a lot of county resources and. Minnesota is probably like a lot of states. I don't know, I'm not familiar with other states. Minnesota is rich in resources, but I'm sure other states are as well. I think most parents are sometimes afraid to reach out because it's scary to think where that might lead. But it's far better to do it now than later, right? Right. And think about it like this. If if you have a headache for for three weeks, you go to the doctor. The doctor checks you out and maybe says, oh, don't worry, you're fine. Um, if you're sad for three weeks, you go to a counselor, and the counselor checks you out, and or maybe a psychiatrist, whatever, or even a, a social worker, caseworker. Um, whatever it might be, it's a professional who, who, who kind of triages it and says, yeah, this, uh, let's, let's do something about this. Let's mm-hmm. fix this. Mm-hmm. And that just because I think some maybe some people are worried that if they go to a counselor they're going to have to take drugs, or or something like that. Drugs are fine, um, psych meds are great, but that's not necessarily what's going to happen either. No. Who knows? You you have to trust somebody at yeah. some point. Um, okay, so one other group of people I want to get in here. So what would you say to the person listening right now? that has been struggling with mental illness, starting to lose hope that they can be salvaged, what would you say to them based on your experience? I thought I would never be happy again. Um, I've had I mean, enough suicide attempts that I'm having trouble trying to figure out how many I've had. Wow. So, that, I mean, it's not a lot. It's like four or five. That's That's a lot, and that is God's grace that you're still here. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's there's probably times I should have been dead. But, and I thought I would never be happy again. I th- I always lived in fear of October and um, February because those were the months that I would typically start having um, depression again. And, you know, something happened. And I, I think it's the prayer. But... Um, I guess what I would say is I didn't think there was hope. 
but there's always hope. There's always hope. You you can you can work really hard and try to get well. You can you can do the the therapy. You can take your meds. You can do whatever it takes. Um, and I also believe that if you reach out to God, He will reach out to you. And it might take a while, but I believe. I I mean I I I kind of say this blanket prayer as I'm saying these words that I believe God will deliver you. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's hopeful. And that is true. Yeah. What have you learned about Jesus through this journey? And you're a young guy. You got you you have a long part of your journey to go. What have you learned so far about Jesus? There is meaning to it. You know, sometimes we go through our depressive phases or our psychosis or whatever it is, and we wonder, I went through this horrible time. What is the point of all this? And if maybe you can tell someone a story. Maybe you can empathize with someone because of what has happened to you. Maybe maybe you write a book or something. Or there, There's always some kind of meaning that we can give our our journey and what have I learned um, you know Jesus I, I gotta tell this I, I would be a mess if I didn't so I was one day I woke up and God wasn't there like when I'm going through my days I, I can feel God in somewhere I don't know if it's in my head, in my soul, where it is, but I can feel God. And one day I woke up and he was gone. And I went for two months. And finally, as I'm driving down the road, I said, God, I'm not going to worship a God who I don't have a relationship with. And then literally, like it was like, the tongues of flame falling on me. Like, I felt God come back mm. just moments after that. And um, But he's also done something to me where I'm able to grow in ways I wasn't able. So I don't know. Maybe I wasn't even a Christian before this. I You can interpret it how you want. Maybe I was... Um, maybe that was the um, spirit of God falling on me. I don't know, but it it was pretty profound how one day he was gone, and then he came back, and I could feel the difference. And um, I I can't say exactly what I've learned from about Jesus. I can't say exactly what I've learned through this process. But one thing I I do want to say that I have kind of figured out is you just got to keep going. Hmm. When it's hard, you just got to keep going. Well, you're using your story to help others, and I really appreciate you telling it. That's a great way to end. Just keep going. And you have your journey ahead. I'll be praying for you. Thanks for having the courage to tell it. Really appreciate you being here, Justin. Yeah, I think it's really cool you guys are doing this. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. So, you know, we talked a lot about this kind of suffering that Justin was describing, and 
Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said this in 2 Timothy 1.12, For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. And that means that whatever you're going through, as Justin has just attested to, he's using it for his glory, and you will see him, and you will be free of the pain of this life. But you'll also have an opportunity to experience joy in this life, as Justin has also said. It's not just waiting to die and being with Christ. He can renew you now by turning to him. And so that's a really hopeful thing, especially in this day and age in which we live. So I want to thank you for spending time with us here on Life Support. It's made possible by some great partners. Faith Radio, that's myfaithradio.com. At Five Stone Media, where you can watch a video presentation, that's fivestonemedia.com. And here at Ridgewood Church, we've got a resource page for you at myrwc.org slash life support. You can also find that on the slash care page as well. And again, if you're struggling with these issues, please reach out, get help, and keep going. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time on Life Support. Life Support a co-production of Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota, and Five Stone Media. And for a video version of this conversation, log on to fivestonemedia.com slash life support. for listening to this life support podcast these conversations are available because of listener support you can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com to avoid missing future editions of life support subscribe to the podcast today at itunes or your podcast player and thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support